Yeah, from it was a circumstances. Stressful, stressful job, and then some, uh, you know, with or incidents triggered. Maybe something that was underlying, you know, with them. Yeah. Dealt with that a lot. Um, you know, transported uh, people who are having episodes to moccasin men. Yeah, and did you ever know the outcome of some no, of them? Um, didn't get to know that. Most of the time you didn't know the outcome, but you just transported. They, usually it was a cry for help. They were they wanted to go so they might do something that would trigger a response. How many went to jail and how many went to the mental hospital, do you think? Um, well, that's it's hard to say all the time whether mental health issues were involved in some incidences because you didn't know. Uh, you didn't really know what caused the incident to occur. So are you were you trained in looking for mental not illness? A, as not a, as much as I think we should have been. And then later on, um, there was more sensitivity to that issue. Um, but when I was a police officer, there went a lot. Well, I, was, I don't think you know, they're still. I work in the hot. There may they're be starting, a They're starting to do stuff like that where the crisis team, their crisis response centers, emergency rooms are designated as uh, crisis response areas. Um, oh, so the, it takes it out of the police's hands to determine if they go to Well, or... to a certain extent, but there, um, there are areas that's, that will that specialize more in people with mental health issues. So if they have a choice of ERs to go to, if it looks like a mental health issue, then they go to the one that has that specialty. They're, so they're starting to kind of recognize some of that. Of course, you've got the, the mental health court that's going on in, in Chattanooga now also. Wow, but there's still work? a long ways to go. And I mean, it, it's really gotten bad during the pandemic. And it's not, because mental health is not just, it's usually not just mental health issues. There's usually overlying issues as well. And it's hard to sort it out, especially if you're a first responder. And I know that now they're putting together mental health teams, but it's hard to sort to to understand or remove the addiction from the mental health issue, which is under the addiction. It's hard to determine initially what's going on. And, uh, and as far as police officers go, they're not trained, really trained to do that. Um, they're trying to immediately address the situation, whatever the, practical outcome of the situation if someone's about to be hurt or someone's about to hurt themselves or somebody's you know whatever you know but that's an obvious on. cry for help that you're mental you know what about the subtle you know just like my friend mary you know mary yeah you know, she was sitting on her porch and she told me i could speak her truth yeah and she had called 911, and this wasn't the first incident, but I'm going to let Mary discuss her incident because I told her, I said, I can't tell it as good as you, I but, think, I, but I can touch on it. Yeah. And she was called for help because she's got a little bit of schizophrenia. Right. Um, she, you know, PTSD. So much stuff going. Yeah. Yes, from her past. Um, you know, she's going to tell us about her past, I hope. But I'm not going to push her to it. 
you know, she just, um, but I think she needs to heal. She needs to get it out to heal. Um, but they come in and one cop showed up and she, she said she had turned her back and she put her hands behind her back because she wasn't going to face the cop talking to him, you know, I guess like a child. And so the second cop, and she said he was a big guy. And she said that he took her immediately to the ground. Yeah. And she's 90, maybe 100 pounds, 67 years old. This young cop. And I, you know. Yeah, that's a problem, you know. And I think part of the part of that is uh, is definitely training. And her being in a rural area, that was actually in the place where all those sheriff's deputies and and police officers, and those were probably sheriff's deputies unless she's in the city limits. But, uh, you know, the rural police departments and sheriff's departments, they don't have, usually don't have as extensive training as uh, a municipal police department might have. And even then, you know, you're going to have guys that are going kind of like that, but um, they don't, you know, a sheriff might go out of office every four years Every time a new sheriff's hired that is elected, then he hires new people. Yeah. So you, you might have somebody that's Unless he gets in for eight years, right? Yeah. Okay. So then you might have someone that's only been on the job for two years or True. three years. So that's a, that's always been a problem, especially with um, sheriff's departments. And then in just in rural areas, you, you know, that the evolution of that attitude towards uh, mental health is not come, it doesn't come around the same in all the areas. Right. And some areas are not as enlightened as others. And I mean, that, but that, you know. that doesn't surprise me. And, but it's all, and it's always, always been a problem. And it's always been a problem separating mental health from intoxication, mm -hmm. from addiction, yeah. and from uh, intent. Uh, how, how aware is that person of the consequences of their actions? Right. Because when it, when it finally ends up going to court, that's what the court will try to determine, whether the person was actually aware of the consequences of their actions. And how much do you think percentage that goes to jail should really be in the mental, get mental help, not be incarcerated? Right. And then you got to think about uh, the, the difference between jail and prisons. The jail is a short-term holding facility in prison is a long-term sentence. So, um, for instance, a lot of mentally ill people are also alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of mentally ill people, especially the homeless, um, end up going to jail for public intoxication. And public intoxication, um, you know, will typically put them behind bars for 24 hours um, and that that's actually one of the longer um, times behind bars prior to court and the logic behind that is that they're going to harm themselves uh, because they're so intoxicated so that's why they you know they're keeping them in the jail for their own safety that's the idea behind it but it also is a catch-all charge and when I say that I mean that when you are as a police officer, when you arrive on the scene and you can't really point your finger at what the person is doing wrong, other than being extremely intoxicated and 
and yelling and disturbing the peace or whatever, the easiest charge to use is public intoxication. Um, because it's pretty, that's the clear cut, obvious um, infraction that's going on. That's the easiest thing to remove. So, because a lot of police officers, especially in, in municipal areas and not necessarily rural areas, they're going to incident after incident after incident. And in some cases, at least not too long ago, they were their productivity was based on how many incidences they took care of, you know, within a shift. So they would go ahead and either um, diffuse the situation immediately by, by having two parties removed or the intoxicated party goes to bed, or if it reoccurs and they put that person in jail. And it doesn't address the underlying mental illness at all. It just, it's just like, oh, what you, we should say fighting fires. So you're just putting out the fire. It might start up again, but but it's out for the night. It's out for the next two hours, and then it might reignite the next day. But that's not, you know, so that's not you. That's somebody else that has to deal with that. or you know, and it, But it is, it does become chronic. Obviously, alcoholism is chronic, and most yeah. behavior issues are chronic. And Mary had touched on that yeah. today. On and her it's really video. hard to separate all that. But it's all. But that's that's also no excuse. It's just a really thorny problem, and you need some innovative solutions. Um, you know, and, and it's just it's gotten worse during the pandemic. Well, okay, guys, you heard it here on Dog Whisperette, Voice for the Voiceless. We have a ex-cop here with answering a lot of questions um, and helping us understand it. You know, not all cops are bad. They just need some more guidance and some more training to learn how to deal with the mental illness. But they have so much on their plates, too. You know, so I think there needs to be, like you said, there was going to start being more training. But does in the is the big areas, you know, the suburbs, suburban training, you know, what about the rural areas? Is that going to be a requirement or they can elect to to is an elective? Well, you know, the sheriff decides so much of what of what happens and the captain kind of decides the direction of the ship. But um, nationwide, there's a realization about how um, important mental health is and how other people suffer. Um, people who are not mentally ill suffer along with the mentally ill, either through the actions of the mentally ill or because you know they uh they love the mentally ill person and so they feel for that person through empathy so and also um you know when you're talking about school shootings and things like that those people for the most part well i hope that they all are mentally ill and then you know that's that's the worst suffering of all is to lose a loved one because an issue wasn't addressed yeah and i was reading it said that they had went you know and that they were mentally ill, but they just was unchecked, you know, didn't, you know, those, but so if they've been unchecked, I don't know how that they could say. Well, there's, they, there's isolation now. That's why we're having such a big problem now is because the pandemic yeah. has created isolation. So some of the checks and balances that were in place and where people were aware of uh, behaviors that didn't fit uh, the person that they, you know, had a relationship with, they don't, they may not have that relationship anymore or, you know, they don't see it. 
and so it gets it just gets worse and worse yeah um there, you know there's there's so much in there well we can't put no rhyme or reason to it well well but we got to put some kind of rhyme or reason to it or we're just going to keep on going down that spiral and down that hole and, and, and I how think, do you think we're going to be well, able to part of it is that, that is that mental health court where the focus is not on incarceration you know the focus is on rehabilitation or or some form some form of something where maybe you have the carrot and the stick but you you know it's it's not just uh, at least we're at the point where we don't shove the problem under under a rock or in, behind bars we're we're starting to see maybe become a little more enlightened about that that, and and who determines who goes is to go to the mental court? Um, that is sometimes it's pretty obvious. Um, but you know, I don't real, I don't know as as much about that. I mean, I haven't been a cop for a long, long time. But um, I would I would think that sometimes it's pretty obvious if you're you're dealing with an issue where somebody's hearing voices. And they say they continue to call 911 because they're hearing voices or they call and they attribute things that don't appear to be true. You know, they're being attacked by dragons. And so they attack someone because they think they're part like of Mary, the, the dragon she, clan, yeah. whatever it is. Then, yeah, that that seems like it would you know, be be set up for that that court. Um, and um, that that court also is um, an addiction court. And that's. You know, a lot of times that's with the the charge that they're being arrested with. It has something to do with possession, or use, or purchase. Um, you know, so those folks, you know, automatically go there too. Um, so that's uh, that. I would say those would, would be the obvious things, and then and then maybe you know, some things are not as obvious. Uh, it's. It's it, it's tough, and you know, police and first responders are as susceptible to mental illness as anybody else. Maybe more so because of the experiences um, that they go through. Um, you know, um, even though we had to go through psychological testing, um, it doesn't catch everything. You know, yeah. Um, and then there's a. It's just a. It's a unique. It's a unique thing. So, just like all of all part, you know, portions of the populace population are and have some mental illness. Um, well, sure. It's a, because, it's a sickness. I think that's the first thing is to realize that it's a sickness. You know, some of it's environmental, and some of it's genetic. You know. Yeah. And I know a lot of times when I was a police officer, I just, uh, you, as a first responder, someone who's trying to take care of a situation immediately and prevent things from getting worse, you don't always have the time to uh, understand the motivation or the mental illness that led the person to commit whatever act they committed. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's also in there. It's tough. 